Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Are you still mad at me? For? Taking your bathroom key. (laughs) (laughs) You brought it back. Yeah. Well, we have a male and a female bathroom key. I happen to use the male bathroom. Lucky so this, you. This would, <laughs> this would be more a problem for you without a female bathroom right. key. Right. But I had it, so. Do you have the kind of bladder that can hold it for four hours while we record? As long as I don't drink anything. I notice a big coffee. Yeah, I'm usually drinking and, something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that prefers to be a little dehydrated because then I don't have the inconvenience of having to pee all the time. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, a lot of potty talk to start this podcast. Yeah, today. let's move. Sorry, let's move, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Let's but. move on from that. Did you want me to thank you for bringing back the key? I, guess. I did. I was. Thank I was for, just hoping you would thank me. Thank I just for, wanted someone to thank, thank me you for, for something. Stealing today. my key and now mm-hmm. bringing it back. And I brought bread, so I mean, you can't really be mad at that. <laughs> you brought bread and butter. Fresh made bread. Yes, thank you for that, Sarah. You're uh, welcome. Can I introduce our guest now? I would love that. I think we have a lot to learn from her. Jesslyn Uval, I'm going to welcome her. She is the, I believe, founder of the Listings Lab, which we're going to learn all about. So welcome, Jess. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being with us. I Can we start with your personal story? Yeah. I know you were a real estate agent yep. and then maybe get, get us up to speed on your journey and then how you created your current business. Of course. So I grew up in the industry. Mom has been a real estate agent for 35 years. So I was that kid that was in the backseat of the car before there was GPS playing with the map book. (laughs) And uh, when I was 21, I got my license. I looked about 16 at the time. So it was rough going in the beginning. Nobody thought that I was old enough to take on any responsibility. But I sold, I actively sold real estate for about 14 years. I built a multi seven-figure, very lean team, very efficient team. And then in 2018, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I transitioned out of actively selling, really transitioned my team and then started the listings lab. And since then, the listings lab... So I guess we're about five years old now. The listings lab has grown exponentially. And I have been a lot more location independent since then. So... Yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a ride, that's for sure, but I've I don't know, I don't really know anything other than real estate. <laughs> that's like your journey, right? You were that kid in the yeah. back of the station wagon. With the Thomas guide, yeah. Cuz mom was a real <laughs> Yeah, my mom's also a realtor. Gr- grew up had the school pickup where suddenly we were going away from the house and I was yep. like, "Oh, no, 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 no. Yep. It's an inspection." <laughs> Or showing? A show, yeah. yeah, it's always something. Or I just want to see it. I just want to see the house. Oh, she would drag you along. Oh, you couldn't be home alone, so she'd drag you along. I could be home alone, but oh. she just, it was easier for her to take me. You know, it's the life of a child of a real 100%. <laughs> Very good. So, okay. So now five, six years ago, you created this company, this network called the Listings Lab. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the Listings Lab started out as one main product, which was marketing, inbound marketing and client generation to take six figure agents to seven figures. And then, you know, that worked beautifully. We have a million case studies and success stories. And, but what happens when you have seven figures worth of inbound business coming in? Well, then you need the rest of the business. 
So our product line has kind of expanded over time. We have a program called the Seven Figure Agent now, which really focuses on systems, team building, leverage, efficiency, to as well as the marketing, of course, but to make sure that we're not building a whole generation of extremely burnt out seven figure real estate agents. So the, that that really that program really focuses on the lifestyle side of things, the making sure and teaching that you get to have both. You can have all of the things that real estate provides, and you can also have life and freedom and vacations and location independence. Even we even have people who've gone through that program now and have had, you know, they spend six months in the states and then six months in some tropical destination back and forth because their team runs really efficiently without them. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. You can learn to be a real estate agent and you can get good at that. But then when you get bigger, you really created a business and that's a whole different skill set, isn't it? Absolutely. Running a team and a business because you're no, that, that's, that's no longer selling real estate. That's being an entrepreneur or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's being, it's really over time. It's stepping out of the technician of the business and becoming more of like a visionary and a manager. I really like that mindset too, because I feel like socially we're starting to come out of that hustle culture where your worth is how hard you work and it glamorizing, never taking a vacation. And so I love that work-life balance. It was really like, that was like the sexy thing for, for so Uh long we, we came, but we've come out of that crushing it era. And yeah. the the busy as a badge of honor is no longer what people are like really going after. Um, and I think that's why we have so many people even in the industry who are who have transitioned out or who are just incredibly burnt out and they're riding this like income roller coaster because they have associated success with how hard they work and how many hours they put in, which right. we have tech, we have AI, we have so many different ways and efficient, efficient ways now that we didn't have 20 years ago, where you can build a really large, really successful business without having to grind the way that you used to have to. All right. Well, so let me, let me back up because you have a really slick website here and and you talked about this a little (laughs) bit stuck at your six figure business. Let's go back to that Mm -hmm. before you can get to that big organization and, and vacation in the Bahamas for six months out of the year, which sounds amazing. How does the listings lab help an agent that wants to sign up with you guys, Mm -hmm. but they're stuck at their six figure business. So a lot of the time when we get to six figures, it's, you can, you can hustle your way to six figures. And for the most part, people who've gotten to that point have worked really hard and they've built mostly repeat and referral business. Now, the key to going from six to seven figures without it being an absolute horrendous experience is really a change in business model. It's the idea of what got you here won't get you there. So the foundation of repeat and referral business is great, but in order to be able to exponentially grow, so grow really quickly, get to the, get from that six to seven figures you know, within 12 months, we have to find a different way to generate business. So we start with the listings lab usually, and that really teaches people how to use social media and digital marketing, like online business generation. And I say business generation and not lead generation for a reason to get to a point where you have essentially a tap of business, of inbound business. So people, and when I say inbound, I mean like people coming to you and saying, Hey, I've seen your stuff. Come list my house. It's not just like, here's a thousand new cold leads. Now sit and call through them for the next three weeks and hate your life and your business. So it really like the, the inbound part of it is based around human psychology and how human beings go from complete stranger to inbound client. So there's a nine point psychological journey from stranger to client that we teach. 
We use it on social media, we use it in email marketing, and we also use it in paid traffic. So all of this really just comes down to perfecting that sequence and getting people to a point where they, where they have that inbound business coming in at a compounding rate. So over time, like let's say like month one, it's three new clients. By month 25, we're looking at like an, an exponential growth in business. And so what we want over time is for that to get to a point where they have too much business. And then we get to go into the efficiencies, the automation, the delegation, the making sure that we're actually building the foundation of like a real business or an organization. So your website here says, and I like this because I think it resonates, uh, we're conditioned to hustle with door knocking and print flyers and billboards and whatever, <laughs> you say giant pictures of our heads, um, <laughs> but it's so super old school, expensive and efficient. And you touched on the new way of digital marketing. So it sounds like your belief is like, forget about the old ways. Let's talk about the new ways. You want to expand on that? Yeah, I just think that the old ways aren't aren't scalable anymore. So again, it's the idea of like, yeah, like I'm I'm not going to tell people that they don't work. I don't think that they work as well as they used to. But I also think that if you want to go from a hundred thousand to two million in the next year, you're not going to do that by doubling down on what you've already been doing, right? right. And and it's the same. I you know I, I say this to people all the time. I have agents who will talk to us and say okay, so I want to double my business. But so I think that I'm just going to, I'm really going to work really hard and I'm going to do the things like really do, do more of the things that I'm already doing. Well, theoretically, that sounds great. But let's say that you're currently prospecting for three hours a day. Do you have time to prospect for six hours a day and then handle twice as many clients as you currently have? The answer for most right. people is no. And that's just to double. So it comes back down to like the idea of what got you here won't get you there. And the actual business model, the not only the business model as a whole in terms of delivery and in terms of, you know, customer service, but the side of the marketing where how you generate business and how efficient it is and how time consuming it is has to shift and change in order to get to depending on what people's end result is that they're looking for. And do you track all of this for your clients to like see so you can like show them their return on investment and that these processes do work? Do you know? The returns on investment on that, that we have. Yeah. So the case studies that we use and the return on investments that we have for people who implement this well are like, they're almost untrackable over time. Like we have agents who've gone from doing $20 million in volume a year to doing 400 million in volume per year, year over year over year. And so like over time, like, yes, we can track it in the short term, but over time it almost becomes ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and, and are, so I hear you saying kind of the, the new ways, is that purely digital and social media? I mean, are we, are we talking Facebook, Instagram? Mm -hmm. Is it just, just the channels that, that most people think of? Yeah. And the key to this is, is that most agents are using these platforms as billboards. They're using them in a really inefficient, ineffective way. And once we get the psychology nailed, we get the marketing messaging nailed, we get the, the market research done really well, and we're cutting through all the rest of that real estate noise, it does make a really big difference. When I got my license, when I started selling real estate in 2005, Facebook was this brand new thing. And I went to this brokerage that was like, you need to work your sphere. You need to work your, I was 21. My sphere was not buying and selling homes. Right. And so they're like, you need to work your sphere and you need to network and you need to cold call and door knock. And I'm, I was 21 and shy and super introverted. I still am pretty introverted. And I remember thinking like, if this is how I have to grow my business, I don't think this business is for me. 
And so Facebook was new and novel. And at the time, it was just a wall and a classified section. And I used to call it prospecting from my PJs. So I had no money, right? I had no money. I was 21. And so I started building relationships and marketing on Facebook before anybody else was doing that. And I built my business on Facebook. And so the compounding time of like me spending that time and energy building those relationships on a social platform, it, it continued to compound over the 14 years that I sold. But I think it's so interesting that so many people will be like, oh, you know, I tried, I tried social media marketing and it didn't work. Well, my first question is, okay, what strategy did you use? Well, what do you mean? Well, what strategy did you use? What was the target demographic you were going after? Like, did you do the market research that you needed to every six months? People will spend so much time and energy knocking on doors or making the perfect flyer, but then they go to social media and they, they kind of half-ass it, right? It becomes this thing where like they posted just for the sake of posting or they hired some third-party company 300 bucks a month to just post infographics every couple of days. And then they're like, oh, I don't understand why this hasn't hasn't turned into business, social media marketing doesn't work or Facebook ads don't work. And it's, it's so frustrating for me because real businesses don't approach marketing that way, right? People who take their businesses seriously don't approach marketing that way. You think about these multi-billion dollar companies, they have entire departments that 24 hours a day are doing market research to make sure that the marketing message is being nailed that the psychology is right, that, that, that we're eliciting emotion from the consumer or from the, from the audience that they're putting these, these marketing pieces in front of. And yet in real estate, we try something one time and then we dismiss it as it doesn't work because I, you posted three times and didn't get any, any clients from it, which for me, is, it's so frustrating because as someone who has built multiple larger businesses, it's the efficiency that I'm always looking for. Like, is it scalable? And all of the traditional marketing methods made so much sense before we had the internet because it was the only way to stay consistent and frequent. Like we talk about geolocation or like farming all the time. And it's like, yeah, that made sense in 1985. It was, it made perfect sense because we had no internet and you had to door knock in order to be physically present and consistent and frequent in order to stay top of mind. You had to door knock and cold call and flyer and billboard and do the farming stuff. Now we have this tool that we've all had for so many years, and yet we're still pretending like we live in a world that the internet doesn't exist and that we don't have this, these abilities to get in front of the right people at the right time with the right message and actually create marketing messaging that is niche down and psychologically driven. In a geo farm area, your messaging has to be so vague because in one zip code, you could have upsizers, downsizers, first-time buyers, and investors. So there's no way to use psychology well in a farm area. But when we expand the area a little bit more and we focus on the human being or the human transition and why that person is choosing to move and we get into the psychology a little bit more, that's really when marketing becomes easy. But I think that there's like a fundamental shift that has to happen in, in an industry that is so traditional and is kind of being left behind in a way that is really scary in some ways, because we're not treating businesses like businesses. We're treating businesses like hobbies and hustles. And I think that it, it's the reason why I think right now, especially with all of the technology and the shifting market and the interest rates and everything that's happening in the world right now, or in North America, at least, 
that we're seeing a lot of the people, which I think is good, a lot of the people who aren't treating this like a business or aren't thinking like business owners, they're starting to get out of the business. I think this is such a valuable idea that because you hear people say you have to be on social media, you have to get on social media. It's not about social media. It's about how you're utilizing all. Absolutely. Right. And so people will get on there like I post every day, I post three times a week, but they're posting like a picture of a bathroom and they're like, would you like this bathroom in your house? Like, is that going to be what gets you the business? Right. But if you're actually, and it's the email, one email. No, there's a lot of noise. No, but automation. Yeah. Right. So it's about creating efficiencies in all those. Exactly. And, and, and having a strategy and understanding the psychology of the human beings that you are trying to connect with. I love, okay, so I love that point, the psychology, because I think it's fascinating. Can you give us one example of like a psychological strategy that, that maybe you've run in the past or mm-hmm. works beyond putting a picture of your bath, you know, someone's bathroom, right? Well, I don't agree in putting, like I, I, people respond to people's faces. Right. And so often we hear people that it's the, the cliche of marketing of you have to build no like and trust. It's almost become one word, right? No like and trust. And so many people in real estate are still pretending to be like a doctor or a lawyer and using these super edited, very overly professional headshots and saying, <laughs> especially on, on a social networking platform. And saying something like, you know, I'm here for all of your real estate needs, which mm-hmm. means nothing. It basically means I'll <laughs> take what I can get. Yeah. Or, or, you know, every third real estate agent bio that I see on Instagram is I can help you buy, sell, rent and invest in Anaheim, or I can help you buy, sell, rent and invest in Orange County. Right. It, it basically what it, what, what you're saying is I don't specialize in anything and I'll, I'll take whatever business you'll throw at me. And I think that like a lot of that noise becomes again, very noisy because everyone in real estate is just copying each other and just doing the same thing as everyone else. And so no one is standing out. No one is creating real brands especially in the digital space. So when we're talking about psychology, we use a nine point psychological journey from stranger to client, which I mentioned before, but the key to all of this, to all psychological, psychological marketing is to understand pains, problems, fears, and desires. So people move, don't move because it's fun. Moving is not fun. We've all done it and it's all been horrible. And we, you know, (laughs) it's basically like, mitigating how bad it's going to be when we do actually move. (laughs) Right. But we all move because there's something in our current situation, in our current life that we believe will be better, or we have a vision that will be better if we change locations or change school districts or change property types or whatever. So upsizers, for example, people, a lot of the time, young families, they want big, a bigger space, better school district. Like it's, it's geared around the kids. So giving the kids what it is maybe that they didn't have, giving the kids a better lifestyle, making sure that everyone has enough space and has the, the things that they need in order to live a happier, more stress-free life. And so when we do this, it's like, okay, what is, what's the current pain point? And, and I think the other thing that's really important to note here is that we are not initiating the, the psychology the day that they make the decision to buy. We're doing this earlier. Only 3% of the available market is like ready to drop right now. And that's the other mistake right. that most agents make is that they're so focused on who's ready to buy or transact tomorrow. And they're not actually taking people through any kind of journey because they're only looking for low hanging fruit. 
So if we start, let's say just a little bit earlier on, and we're identifying the pain point, we're identifying the problems, we understand what the fears or the stakes, stakes and consequences are of not making that move. We're really good marketing is being able to articulate what's in the back of your ideal client's head better than they can. When you can do that, they will automatically build trust and credit you with a solution. And I think that in real estate specifically, so many people approach all marketing as I need my ideal clients to understand me and what I do instead of my ideal clients need to feel understood by me. Oh my God. I loved that answer because it made me think to your point, like you're right. Upsizers are probably at least partially wanting to move for a better school district, potentially. Potentially. Right? But I've never, right. It's a, it's a big thing for parents, but I've never seen marketing uh, with a house that started with move to the Las Virginas school district, mm-hmm. which is probably the most important thing that family's that thinking, thinking about. It always, it always starts with, it's a four bedroom, three with yep. a pool and blah, blah, blah. But it's the, probably the most important part is the, the school district. And that's probably what's going to trigger that desire to move. This and that's person why is actually about understands what's going on in my head, understands right. the actual drivers behind why we would even right. consider moving. I've never, and I've never seen that, right? It's right. You got to, you're not thinking about it because to your point, you're probably just copying everybody else. And we all have this real estate hat that we wear all the time, right? And and so a lot of this kind of marketing is taking off the real estate hat and being able to truly understand what is going on. What are the thoughts and feelings and concerns and all of these things that that ideal client base actually has instead Mm -hmm. of just looking at it as another deal or another transaction, actually understanding the psychology and the human being that is making this decision. Even just like per listing, that's such a great exercise to kind of imagine who's going to be moving into this house Mm -hmm. and then market from that standpoint. It's so much more specific than this is the description of this house. If you're marketing to people who are going to retire, let's say downsize, I'm just thinking out loud, you're the expert on this, but you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, they probably don't need that many bedrooms. That's, that's kind of the superficial layer. But really what they're probably looking for is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Their kids have moved out. You don't have to maintain a yard. You have a community pool right now. If you have a pickleball court sold, (laughs) sold. And they want to be able to lock up and walk away. They want to be able to go to Europe for two yeah. weeks and not worry about who's mowing the lawn. Is someone going to break into the house? Is how close am I to my grandkids? How, who are the people? People a lot of the time downsize into yes, smaller and more easily maintained, but also closer to the people that they want to be able to spend time with. That's a good right. point. That's a good point. Yeah. So just curious. So with your programs, yeah. are they like a certain container of time or are they an ongoing monthly thing or weekly thing? Like mm-hmm. what, what do your programs look like? So all of our programs, except our like highest level program are all lifetime access. So you come in, your family, you're stuck with us and we work together for years and years and years. One time fee, you're in, there's like, it's, and it's lifetime. So you have lifetime access to support and coaching and updates. Like for instance, like I have an entirely new chat GPT training that is frankly, in my opinion, like the best thing I've ever seen. And it's going into our listings lab program this like within the next two weeks. And so everybody who has ever bought the program since 2018 will get an email that says, Hey, 
this has been added or this has been updated. And here's where you find it. And if we haven't seen you in a while, how's it going? This is where you're going to find it. If you need help or you have, if you have questions or anything, please come back into the fold and come to a support, come to one of our support calls, ask questions in our member communities, get the support that you actually need to make sure that you're using these things. So it's up to us to stay on top of the algorithms, to stay on top of trends, to stay on top of new technologies that we think are going to be really helpful. So we have an entire section of our team that is constantly innovating. Basically, our R&D department is like constantly innovating, testing new things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Great. But when we find something that's a slam dunk, it gets implemented back into our programs and everybody gets access to them so that if this isn't one of those things that you buy that works for a year or two, and then you have to go and look and search for something else again. So all of our programs are lifetime access. Our seven-figure agent program, because it's so hands-on, we are essentially in there with you building your business, making decisions with you, making hiring decisions with you, like all of that. It's year. It's yearly. So it's year over year. Uh-huh. But with that, they always also get access to all of our lifetime programs as well. So there is there is there any one-on-one or group sort of mentoring, coaching, or... Yeah. So in the seven figure agent program, we do have one-on-one calls with our coaching team. The only way that people work one-on-one with me are in-person things. So I do a handful of VIP days a year. And we also so do the palm trees and playbooks retreat, which is in the Bahamas. And there are like three and a half days and people fly in and it's me that essentially leads the retreat for three days. And they're small. So that's like the primary ways that people get access to me one-on-one, but our our methodologies and the way that I teach things and everything is like implemented in the most systematic organized ways through our, through our team. I'd expect nothing less. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing that as that's That's really literally what we do and what we teach. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. I saw that you spoke to the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I guess it was their annual meeting with 55,000 agents. That must have been cool, number one. I and went then, right uh, after what... John Legend. <laughs> That's that good inspiration. What was your, your talk like? What was it about? So I did it on the six levers to exponential growth in your business. So I broke it down into the six levers that you need to audit every three to six months to, to figure out where the exponential opportunity is in your business at any one time. And I use the same mm. exercise. I do the same thing every mm. six months or so in our business. It's kind of like an audit of like what's going on in each of those realms. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. You're a business owner. You're obviously a mentor and a coach. Uh, you're also uh, an author. Mm-hmm. You wrote this book called More Money, Less Hustle, which sounds pretty cool. Do you, you also consider yourself an influencer or is that not really part of what you do? I like to think of myself as more of a thought leader than an influencer. I don't know. I mean, I'm also just, I'm a really strange, like very boring human being at the same time. Like I, I'm, there's like, if somebody followed me around for a day, they'd be like, oh, she just like reads a lot of novels and you know, like, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing the kinds of things that I think people assume that I am. I, I spend a lot of time in silence thinking about things, but I think that that's where a lot of the, the, the innovation comes from is I read a lot of books. I learn a lot. I think a lot. And then I, test and play with things. And so there's like kind of a mad scientist aspect to it that I find really fun, but I think other people would find relatively boring. Well, you're, are you on TikTok? I guess that if you're not on TikTok, you're probably not much of an influencer. I have, I have TikTok. I consume more than I actually, I consume on TikTok, but I don't necessarily create a tremendous amount for TikTok. 
In my opinion, TikTok is really, really great for building an audience, but you have to pull that audience onto another platform in order in order to yeah. convert them. So mm-hmm. our email lists and our other social media campaigns, the funnels that we run tend to be a lot more, I don't know, a lot more consistent and a lot more solid than something like TikTok. I, I love this. I love this conversation. I mean, I I, and and you sound like a cool person. I'd probably like to follow you around because I'm I'm very because I want to read that same. Well, I've probably read that. He's same just Mal- reading over your shoulder. Well, I, I, yeah. You know, it, when you're talking about it, it sounds a lot Malcolm Gladwell. It sounds a lot Michael mm-hmm. Lewis. There's so you know these books that have psychology at their heart. Yeah. And it, it sounds like that's the kind of stuff you would you would enjoy too. hundred right? percent. I also like I read yeah. a tremendous amount of fiction, and you'd be surprised mm. at how much you can. I don't know, maybe my brain works in a funny way, but like I'll read something in fiction and I'll be like, wow, like I'll, I'll get ideas for content and for a different way or a different angle of coming at something just from hmm. something that someone else wouldn't, would not relate the two, but it made sense in right. my head. And so there's a lot of inspiration that comes from just like, I'm, I'm literally, I have a, like a, a, a novel right here. It's, it's like, and, and it's fantasy. So like I'm, re- I'm reading a fantasy novel and I'll get something out of it that will apply mm-hmm. that. That makes to the sense though, because how can you create original thought and idea if somebody's telling you their original thought and idea, right? Like you can only consume so much of that. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to lead to your own original content, mm-hmm. but if you're For being sure. inspired by something. For yeah. sure. And I mean, I would say that I spend a, like a good chunk of my morning in a journal. So there's a lot of journaling. Mm. Sometimes it's lit. It feels like the, the ravings of a mad woman. And then sometimes there's like <laughs> moments of brilliance. And I'm like, yes, we're getting somewhere today. So do you have like a page minimum that you try to do? No, I just, I free journal. Okay. So I will just sit down and like, sometimes I'm like, wow, like I didn't really go anywhere. And then sometimes, it, you know, they're like, I listen to music. I oh, pretty much like a, a large chunk of my, of my, creative time is geared towards creating the right environment so that I feel creative. Mm, so someone's going to find someone's going to find your journal after you die and they're going to be like who was this psychopath? Exactly. They're going to be like this woman is all over the place. I I didn't keep a journal for years so much of my life, the majority of my life, because that was my biggest fear. Somebody was going to stumble upon my, like when I was a kid and I'd write in my journal, I wrote it as if somebody was reading it right then and there. Like I was so careful about what I wrote, which is like the opposite of what you should be writing in in a journal. You should be writing like your truth. You know what I mean? But I was like, really like hiding it. You know, they have those diaries that have a little lock, little little tiny key. I'm pretty sure that's secure. I'm I'm pretty sure my mom broke into my, my like little with a key. safety pin yeah <laughs> i'm um, pretty sure they just fall apart one day <laughs> <Those for locks>. <laughs> <laughs> you just jam it open this was awesome tell us last question jess mm. tell us who is like who's the right agent that might be a good fit or that the listings lab would be a good fit mm-hmm. for so i would say low to mid six figures but maybe like really feeling ready to be, to do something kind of courageous. Right. And I have a, I have a mentor, his name's Alex Moscow. And he always says results don't take time. They take courage. And so I think that someone who's actually ready to do something courageous and really feeling inspired to 
adapt and adopt and move into 2020, we say 2023, but I think, I mean, social media is 2013. Like, let's start moving things um, in the direction of where we're going and has big aspirations. I don't want to work with someone who only wants to make an extra 50,000 a year. I want to work with that person who's like really growing and striving. And is like, I am going to be a multi seven figure agent. And I'm going to like, I have big dreams and big goals and big ambitions for my life. Yeah. Do they need a team or an assistant? Absolutely not. No, no. And when they're ready for one, we will help and guide them through that process. Amazing. I love that conversation. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Jess. Great advice. Thank you. Thank you. So we will share Jess's information in the show notes, as well as links to the Listing Lab. Everybody should definitely check that out. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.